Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Good morning, brethren. Before our message today, I would like to take a few moments to wish all of you a happy Mother's Day. I would like to wish a Mother's Day to all of our mothers, all the mothers-to-be, and in particular also to our spiritual mothers, those who may not have children of their own, but they have adopted children spiritually to take care of others, to serve others. It's a beautiful thing that they do. The role of a mother is extremely important, and it is demonstrated by the fact that the, the Lord chose it to, to be a symbol of what the church is supposed to be like. The church is supposed to be our spiritual mother. And so we learn a great deal from that. And I, before the message, I would like to ask you to join me in prayer, if you please. Our Lord, we thank you so much for our mothers. We thank you for the role of mothers, for those of, of them who are mothers, even though they may not have children, because they fulfill their role toward so many, so many people around them. Lord, we thank you for that amazing role that is a, in a, a great symbol of what the church is to be like. And we ask you that you will grant us all, as your church, to be like mothers to those whom you draw to us, to the church, to the body of Christ. Lord, as we honor our mothers today, we lift them up to you and ask your very special blessing on them, not just on this day, but every day. Please bless them that they may see the profound meaning of their role and move all of us that we may truly appreciate them and also appreciate our spiritual mother, the church. We praise you, we thank you for them, and ask your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. It begins with openness, the willingness to come alongside someone else, to pour out, care, invest. It's about sharing the journey, doing life together, growing, forging, becoming. It's about selflessness, caring enough to walk through the valley even when it's painful. To love people as Christ has loved us. It's rejoicing when they rejoice. Hurting when they hurt. Being a hand. An encourager. A friend. We were not created to wander alone. For as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another.
Reverend Richard Foster once stated, superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. And depth is something that seems to be missing in, in our society, in our world. And sometimes we may even see that influencing the church. But it's not a problem, the lack of depth, depth is not a problem in Scripture. There is much depth in the Word of God. So much so that as we read it for our life, we can't afford to be superficial Christians or half-hearted Christians or even reluctant Christians. It calls us to a deep and profound relationship with our Lord and Savior. It, it, our calling changes everything in life. It gives us purpose and meaning. And it is a great blessing, not just for us, but for those around us as well. And we read a passage today. We're going to be reading a passage today, a section of the Word of God that is particularly deep in meaning. It is John chapter 15 and verses 9 to 17. Let's read it together. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, the one lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. This is certainly a very rich passage. It, it reaches at the core of our being, at the core of our Christianity. It calls us to respond to God with his own love, sharing in his joy and participating in his mission to bring his ultimate blessing to many, many around us, all over. Let's review it together and understand it deep, a little more. Verses 9 to 11. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. We have already seen Last week, in fact, it was. We have already seen that we are called to abide in Jesus Christ. We're called to abide in the person of Jesus himself. 
We're called to abide in his word and to abide in his love. It is made very clear here in verse 9. But the question that remains to be answered is, how? How do we abide in him, in his word, in his love? How do we do that? It's easy to say, abide in me, or abide in Christ, abide in his love, abide in his word. But the question that I usually, I'm usually asked is, okay, but how? The answer is given to us in this statement, right here in verses 9 to 11. By keeping the commandments of Jesus, then we abide in his love. Now, of course, that could make some people think, okay, ah, oh, here we go. We're talking about works in here, aren't we? You see, it doesn't mean, however, that we keep his commandments in order to be loved by him. Because we are already loved. It would be like me doing favors to my wife or, or doing things for my wife in order to earn her love. She would probably rebuke me at that point and say, but Luciano, I already love you. You don't need to earn my love. You don't need to earn my affection. I already love you. And of course, if I love her, I express, however, my love in what I do. You see, the fact that if you keep my, that Jesus said, if, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, it's not to say that we need to keep the commandments in order to be loved by him. It means that the commandments, rather, will show us the way, his way. The commandments teach us what the love of God is all about, what it looks like. We have already addressed before that God pours out his love in our hearts. He fills our, our hearts with his love. And we are called to allow it to flow in, and in us and through us and to be a blessing to people around us, to express it, to manifest it to people around us. But still, still we don't know what that love of God is all about. We don't know what it looks like. And that's where the commandments come in. The commandments show us the way of love, of God's love. They show us and they teach us what that love looks like. They are not intended to be a burden. Rather, they are intended to be a guide for us, to guide us in that path, the path of God's love. Notice Jesus' words specifically in here. These things, he said, I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Notice here that he's not talking about the commandments as a heavy load to carry. He's referring to them as a joy and a great joy that should be made full in us. It is not a test to pass in order to be loved by God, but it is a sharing in the very joy of God and a fullness of joy, as we said. But what commandments was he talking about? What was he talking about in terms of keep my commandments? Well, he did not allow us to double guess because he actually stated that in the very next verse, verse 12. This is my commandment, Jesus said, that you love one another 
just as I have loved you. Notice that. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. We know and we have seen and we discussed before that love is giving, a giving of oneself for the benefit of a person who is beloved in Christ. But here Jesus says something truly profound. He says that we are to love one another just as he loved us. Now how can we possibly love as and, and give of ourselves as God does. And the answer, as we mentioned in, in the past, the answer is that his love, the very love of God, Romans 5.5, 5, is poured out into our hearts so that we can express it. You and I would never be able to work up that kind of love. We may have our own version of what we mean with love. But that's not what Jesus said. He didn't say, love one another the best you can. He said, love one another just as I have loved you. So it takes for us to receive the love of God that is poured out in our hearts so that we can express it. And that love, brethren, is a sacrificial love. Oh, but I know when I say the word sacrificial love, all sorts of clouds and, and darkness comes in the picture, right? <laughs> Not quite. It is a sacrificial love indeed, but it is also a joyful love. It is a love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith that brings a great deal of joy, a joy that is inexplicable, a joy that cannot even be expressed or, or, or explained, but can only be experienced. The joy of giving, which Jesus said is so much more of a blessing than receiving. It is his love, however, as I want to stress, his love expressed in and through us. Brethren, this world continues to teach us that we need to love ourselves. But self-love is a trap. Self-love is like a, a, a despot, a tyrant that wants to enslave us in, into an endless search for satisfaction. I'm with you and I'm, I'm, I'm your friend or I'm your lover or I'm your husband, I'm your wife just because you make me feel good, because you do to me the things that I want you to do for me, or because you serve my purposes. That's not the way to love. In fact, that's not love at all. That is lust. The love of God fills our heart, is poured in our heart, and it fills our need to be loved. If we accept that love of God and if we bask in it and we nurture our relationship with God so that we can experience the fullness of love from Him, we no longer need to go and, and, and buy love from others by manipulation or, or any other means that we tend to use to, to almost to force others to love us because we want to be loved. In fact, he directs our attention away from ourselves and toward others. 
into that blessing that Jesus said giving is. And it's just a much greater blessing than getting or receiving. And God in the process comforts us. He strengthens us. He sustains us. And yes, he challenges us with his own example. Jesus didn't say, go and love one another and and I'll, I'll think about it, maybe I'll join you. No, Jesus said, go and love one another the way I loved you. He set the standard, a giving standard. And he challenges us with his own example. But he also encourages us with the church. And he makes us channels of his love toward others. Think about it, because as we no longer need to search for that love because God fills our need to be loved, we now have the resources, the energy, the time to actually express it in giving. We no longer need to go around looking to find it to get it, but we have plenty of it within us because the love of God is within us. And we can express it. We can pour it out. Allow it to flow through us. To be a blessing. And how do we do that? Jesus said by following his way. By following his instructions. His guidance. His commandments. Because that's what it shows us. What that love looks like. Something that we wouldn't know otherwise. But let's go ahead. Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Well, I don't need to comment on here about this statement and convince you that this is talking about Jesus Christ being willing, willing to give his life for us because that's exactly what he did. But notice here the nature of his love. It's a giving love, a giving without limits, that calls us to be willing to lay down our life for one another. Just like he was willing to lay down his life for us, he now calls us to be willing to lay down our life for one another. Now, of course, we don't, we don't have to die for one another. We are not Messiah. We are not to save one another. But we need to be willing to, put, to give everything, including our very life, for the benefit of one another. Love is indeed a giving. But it is a kind of giving that does not rob us of what is good. In fact, God in Scripture promises over and over that if we are willing to give out what He gives to us, He will recompense us. He will fill our measure. As as the love flows through us, He will fill us with it even more. And, And the Scripture says, I will shake and fill more and shake it and fill it more until it overflows. No, it doesn't rob us of anything that is good. In fact, it it leads us to an abundance of life. And it enables us to participate in the joy of Jesus Christ. Think about it. How important that joy is and how it was manifest. The scripture says that it was for the joy that was set before him that Jesus endured even the cross. What kind of joy are we talking about? The joy of giving. He was laid down, laying down his life for his friends, for you, 
and he was so joyful. He experienced such joy at the thought of you being able to be redeemed and be reconciled with God. It's such a joy for him that he was able to give his life so that you can have your life saved. And now he's calling us to participate in that joy, a joy that, doesn't, that is not expressed in how much we're able to get from one another, but a joy that is expressing giving and that is also experienced in giving. A joy and a peace that is not our own, but it is Jesus' own. Verses 14 and 15. You are my, are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So the first thing that we notice in, this, in these two verses is the level of intimacy, the level of friendship, the, the level of closeness and communion that Jesus wants to have with us. He wants to share everything with us. He doesn't want to hold secrets. He doesn't want to, to hold things back from us. He wants to share all things. But the question here rests in verse 14 where it says, you are my friends if, if you do what I command you. You see, this is not a conditional statement. It doesn't say that we earn his friendship by the way we keep the commandments. We can't do that. It's impossible. What it means is that we share his love and his way. We follow him and gladly accept his direction in life. And so we are friends. What, what do you do when, when you go and meet a friend? All right, let, let's see. We, we go down the street. We go down to the corner to meet a friend. We meet a friend down at the corner of the street. And so he walks north. I walk south. We're friends, right? <laughs> Not quite so. When we go out to meet a friend, we walk together. We do things together. We share moments, times, experiences. And that's what, what Jesus wants to do with us. And so if we do what he commands us, if we follow that way, that way of love, his way, and follow him, we walk with him, and we share that communion with him. And by the way, that is not for his benefit, but for our benefits. Because he is the source of all good. And so when he asks us to come to him, he asks us to come to the ultimate good for all of us. So we follow him. We gladly accept his direction in life. And because of that, because we go willingly, because we are acting as friends who walk together and work together and do things together in harmony, and we are in harmony with him, he says, I don't call you slaves, I call you friends. And as friends, I'm going to share all things with you. I'm not going to keep anything from you. Let's go now to verses 16 and 17. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I pointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command to you, that you love one another. 
There's an amazing statement in here. You know, even in our common Christian language, sometimes we put things upside down. We ask people, when did you come to Christ? <laughs> just, just think about that for a second. When did I come to Christ? Or when did Christ come to me? Or you? Maybe uh, we should ask, when did Christ come to you? When, when did Christ reveal himself to you so that you can accept a relationship with him? You see, we are not the ones going looking for him. Christ is not something that we have to search out for because he's hiding himself. No, he comes to us. He manifests himself to us. He reaches out to us so that we can see him and find him and enter into that beautiful and awesome relationship with him. And besides, it is not a matter of accepting a doctrine or an idea, is it? It is not an idea. It is not a doctrine. It is a person and it's a personal relationship. It is not the result of us choosing his ideology. In fact, it is not something that we can even do ever but something that he has done because he has come to us to establish a relationship with us. He, he did everything that needed to be done and he's inviting us to respond to his invitation. And as we respond to his invitation, we can enjoy and rejoice in our communion with him, in our oneness with him, in our unity with him. But you see, you are not the one that chose him. Jesus made it very clear. You did not choose me. But I have chosen you. You're talking about, we're talking about the, the creator and the sustainer of the entire universe. The one that holds everything into existence. That has personally, individually, chosen you. You are not an accident. You are not existing by accident. You're not here by accident at all. And you're not listening to this message by accident either. God has chosen you. God Almighty has chosen you. And if He had not chosen you, you would have no choice whatsoever. But the question remains, chosen for what? And this passage here explains it. Chosen to go in his name to share the truth. Chosen to bear good fruit for him. Chosen to be a blessing to all who know us, who know you. Chosen to participate in the very work of God. Who wants to give us what we ask for. Of course, we already explained it last time. As long as we are in communion, in oneness, in harmony with him. Because we are asking what is necessary to produce the fruit that he wants to produce. I mean, it's still his fruit. And he wants to bear good fruit through us. And has fully equipped us. To love one another. So once again, how do we produce fruit for him? 
as we saw in the previous part of this chapter, he is the vine, we are the branches. His love flows into us and from us. You see, it is his love that flows in our heart, that fills our heart, is poured in our hearts, and then it flows onto others to bear that fruit. As his love is expressed, that's where the fruit is produced. It's produced in other people's lives. When you touch someone, maybe someone in need, maybe you, you, you're just driving your car, you come into a red light, you see a homeless person, and you share a word of comfort, and maybe a little bit of help. Or maybe if you, if you have a job and, and that person is looking for work and is willing to work, you, you offer him a job and, and you give him also the dignity to earn the, the money that he needs instead of just begging for it. You have touched a person's life. And as you touch that person's life, you express in the love of God. And as you express the love of God in that way, you are producing the fruit of the vine. It is God's love. It's not your love. It is God's love that flows through you toward the other person. And as the other person is blessed, it's not blessed by you. It's blessed by God through you. And when the life of another person is touched, and they become partakers of God's love as well. And as they become partakers of God's love, and they experience the, the beauty of God's love, and they start expressing it as well, they share that love, and the fruit is multiplied, and multiplied many times over. And so is your reward. And so is your blessing. And so is the joy. The joy that comes from that blessing that he's giving. So brethren, love one another. Love one another with that giving that is characteristic of our awesome God. Love one another by giving of yourself toward the other. Toward one another so that no one will lack anything. No one will miss anything. Because if you lack something, the brother loves you. And if your brother lacks something, you love him or her. And, and in that mutual giving, that is the fullness. Not just material fullness, but spiritual fullness. And emotional fullness. And the fullness of that joy that Jesus said in here, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and it may be made full. So brethren, love one another and enjoy it. God bless you.